Welcome to the podcast that inspires the American dream through hard work and adventure. Our wide range of guests will give you a unique insight into their crafts, professions, and experiences. So sit back, enjoy, and have a laugh. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Free Range American Podcast. Oh my God, we are excited because we have... Jericho here. We do. We have Jericho here. And this is uh, Free Range American, our podcast, and we're just hanging out today in Vegas. We're laying low. A lot of us had meetings today. You know, Some meetings. I had a mandatory couple beers today. I did five Man- podcasts already. Mandatory beers? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing in Vegas. Why don't I have... Why am I not put on this program, Jericho? I don't know. I was, for Sergeant, I was, for uh, Sergeant can, I, can I have mandatory beers? Yeah, they are mandatory. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Super mandatory. So we did a uh, Veterans React today, and Jericho, who uh, will not say this about himself because he's a humble individual, is an amazing uh, service mustache. member. Oh, a mustache. Amazing. Has mustache. a great career in the military. Um, I believe we served at the same time together. We did. We did. And I'm not sure how much we crossed paths. I think at some point we did, and I think I was just terrified of you because you had that really mean look, and you're kind yeah, of you an a athletic lot of tattoos. Like, that was weird. Your sleeves were rolled I don't know why up a lot. Are mean, or, uh, scared of me. But I get it. You're pretty terrifying. You you have a very good Facebook. I like to follow you on Facebook because you're kind of a no bullshit kind of guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and it's I'd say super I, entertaining. I agree with ninety eight percent of the things. And I like post. to ping pong it. I like to throw things yeah. out of left field where they're like, wait, you think this, but the last thing you said would make me think you don't think this. Right. Yeah. No, that's always really fun. It's amazing yeah. you have your own opinions. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So I just so saddle up. Let's get a little backstory on you, brother, because you're a very interesting human, and I'd love to get into the kind of film stuff you're doing, but when did you join the military? I joined the Army uh, two days before my 18th birthday in uh, July of 1997. 97. Oh, my yeah. God. You're <clears throat> old as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, but I look awesome. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I would say you look it's better good. than me. I mean, I look awesome with my shirt on. Like, off, I don't look so good. I'm the same way. You know so what? Okay. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm yeah. going to agree yeah. with you on that. But it, it helps. People don't feel intimidated by me as much. <laughs> did you yeah. join up with an 11 extra con, uh, contract? So I you did, went, yeah. Oh, so you went straight to Range of China. Yeah, so my background uh, also is my brother was in 375 oh, uh, prior to me, and uh, he went on to retire. He did over 20 years. He went from 375 to, th- to first group to third group and then retired out of SF. And then also my dad was, uh, he was a medic, big army for most of his career, but he jumped into Grenada with 275. So kind of a legacy. So dude, I knew going into the recruiter, like what to get. Not to <laughs> I didn't know you had that much lineage in the military. That's yeah. phenomenal. You just, yeah. you did a long stint in Ranger Battalion. Yeah. I wanted to like break, you know, I wanted to add my brother and my dad's time together and then break it just to show who the <laughs> fucking hardest Denman is. How, lo- how long did you do in Ranger Battalion? Because uh, you retired, Just correct? about, ju- yeah, I retired at, at 20, um, just under 16 years. Holy shit. And, uh, and, and, I'll, you, and I'll build When this. were you out of battalion? Uh, so I did, like, my Twilight tour. After my first hundred time, I went and did, like, four years and change teaching ROTC in St. John's in New York. That's why I was able to live in New York, in New York City. Okay. Yeah, okay. which was fucking awesome. So that was cool because I got, like, a little bit of a... I got weaned off the tit a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You transition. You transitioned into. <laughs> yeah, I was at a, like a super small school, real so life. Like and and for for context with this, if people don't know, like Ranger Battalion and that unit, man, the the 
operational tempo, especially early on in the GWAT, is so intensive. Um, and there's a lot of guys like me. I spent four years there, but I did five well, Jesus, deployments. Jesus, he was already in E6 like, by the time you came, right? Yeah. So yeah, he was terrifying. So. He was terrifying, yeah. yeah. So it's like look at those eyes. 16 like, years in that unit, and I know you'd never say this, is, is a, an extraordinary amount of time and a lot of life put into that because, as you know, it's why the attrition rate is so high in range of time. We call it slow and fat going to SF. Love you guys. But because you want to break in it, it's yeah. deployment, training cycle, deployment, training cycle, and the only time you get off How is How many two trips weeks. did you do? 15. Jesus. Fuck. In range of battalion? Christ. In range of battalion, yeah. 50. Yeah. You fucking American hero right there. Yeah. Good, good round number. Rotations. Good round number. <laughs> because were you, you, you were 275? Yeah, I did 275. Uh, until like my squad leader time, then I went and I worked. I actually worked at RIP before it was called RASP. I yep. did that for a year. What years I, was that? I was there oh, like right after the Iraq invasion, which I didn't go to. My company did. We were stuck in Afghanistan when Iraq went down. Um, so I was all disgruntled. We were stuck in another Wait, war. Were you one of my RIP instructors? That'd be weird. I was there from uh, August of '03 through like August of '04. Oh dang! I went. I went to RIP, I think, September January of 05. Oh, you'd oh, wow. remember. Yeah. yeah. You would remember. I was a fucking demon, man. I was like... I can nice. see that. Yeah. I believe yeah. that. I considered it my job. Like, the guys who were, like, nice, I was like, you're a shitbag. Like, you're <laughs> I like, feel like this slip e- the cracks. I feel like this episode is just going to be us re- like, talking about old shit, but whatever. <laughs> we'll do what we want. Well, I got bring up old shit. Who's the, uh, who's the amazing gentleman? He was a great RIP instructor for me. He, he passed away in Afghanistan. Bald guy. Uh, fucking just... Like athletic oh, Dave McDowell. Yeah, McDowell. Yeah, he was a pre-ranger he, instructor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was there when I was down there. I guess yeah. maybe it was pre-ranger. I thought he was my ripper. One of them, but I... I yeah, maybe he bounced He around. probably put me through pre-ranger then. Yeah, yeah. Dave McDowell was my best friend. Really? Yeah, we were, uh, we were in the same stud. squad for... Fuck, until we both became squad leaders and went to new squads. We were we were together. Yeah, he was, he was a good dude, man. So did you... Did you become a squad leader and then you went to probably rip rasp and were you waiting for tune star in time to come back? Like what, No, what? yeah, well I wasn't waiting. Like I did two trips as a squad leader, but that was so early on in the GWAT, like they didn't know what our schedule was gonna be, like we didn't know, so it was like we didn't even know we we're gonna go back or whatever, so I was like, Alright, I'm gonna go work at Rip with I'd rip tacked a couple times. Um so I went and did that and I fucking hated it. Yeah, because I was sitting there as an not to take anything away from people that do that job, but I was sitting there in this instructor billet and like that's when like the push on Fallujah was happening. So I'm like watching this on the news and like right. guys are getting it the fuck on. I was like, I fucking hate it here. <laughs> I'm gonna go yeah. kill people. So uh, luckily at the time, my old platoon sergeant, uh, like from when I was a private, uh, was the commandant of RIP at the time, and I like kind of went into his office with a big bottom lip and was like, you should let me go back to battalion. And he fucking did. So I did like the shortest stint at rip of an instructor ever without getting fired from it. Did you go back to 275? Yeah, I went straight back to 275. So I grew up in Charlie Company. Um, I went through weapons squad leader there, and I went back. So you, you had Earl Koval. Koval. Rec- I know that name. Recognize that name? That was recognize a, the name. Tack P for Charlie Company for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I recognize yeah. the name. Yeah. Yeah. So he did. Yeah, he was with us, I think, on that. So when we got stuck in Afghanistan because of the Iraq invasion, we, like, were in Afghanistan for, like, seven months. While Damn. Everybody. Yeah, because... That's a long one for battalion. Yeah, yeah. And it sucked because we were, like, again, like, they were invading Iraq and doing all this cool shit and rescuing POWs. And we were, like, eh, I did a fucking... 
did a BP today, like, <laughs> did a BCP or whatever. Like it wasn't a fun trip. Um, so a lot of people act, actually in that time, like when I went and worked at Rip, a lot of people were kind of cutting bait. There was a lot of disgruntled dudes, which is like a super interesting thing for you because when I got into battalion, for me, you know, I, I got in as a younger guy and I got in 2005, I believe, is when I got uh, 275. And at that time, the unit had just started transition from like tier one BP positions as far as the GWAT into a direct action element and being the most precise freaking light infantry unit in the world in the range of time. It's always been that, but I think the scope of work was always airfield seizures and then, you know, pull BPs for tier one units. But you were in during that time when it was yeah. like airfield seizures and then you caught, you probably saw the transition to like, holy shit, Rangers might be the most combat effective fighting force based off of having, you know, what, 2,600 of them or 2,100, whatever the exact number is. Yeah. In the GWAT, was it was it interesting to watch that as far like high and tights into like yeah. relaxed standards and being like such a cool amazing yeah, fucking professional actual unit. athletic footwear and yeah, yeah. unbloused boots and yeah it was cool man like thinking back to like you know the first few missions we went out on and how like little we knew and like the first time you like because our first trips it was different like you know when when guys get there now there's they had their team leader their squad leader their platoon sergeant have all been on trips. Right. But when you go on your first one, you're like a squad leader and you've never seen an Afghani person. You know, it's a whole different variable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very yeah, all different. of you are doing this for the first time. Yeah. It's like exploratory learning. Like, you know, all those little tricks, like the, the amount of institutional knowledge of that organization now is just fucking insane. You know, the thousands and thousands and thousands of reps and how perfect we are now because of all those mistakes that we made. Yeah, I think, and that's something really interesting about, I think, Ranger Battalion, which is why I, and not because I came from that unit, I you know, was lucky to serve a little bit of time there, but guys like you that are like icons of Ranger Battalion, and I know you wouldn't say that about yourself, but I, I truly believe that, how great that organization has got across the board. I mean, you have fucking Ranger medics outdoing every other freaking 18 Deltas, and they're winning these things as they're keeping dudes alive that probably... 99% of the time would have passed and it's like it's a true testament to the professional like professionalism of that unit and how good the leadership has been and, and the guys on the ground it, it's been really cool for me to see and unfortunately when I left like that's when we started getting like all the fucking cool like gym stuff and you yeah. know all the building out of the facilities but you know it, it, I'm glad that it's that way now yeah it's crazy like looking at <clears throat> pictures of the first deployment we did there's guys wearing LCEs yeah yeah and fucking K-pots you know, and we had hand mics. Or and now, and now you murder athletes. Yeah, <laughs> murder athletes. Yeah. I like that. It's a I want athlete. that shirt. <laughs> murder athlete. That's another thing, man. That even changed since I left. In when did I leave? In like 2012 or something. Um, I went to Ranger Rendezvous this year because my first PL, Colonel Brown. He was. Uh, he's now the RCO, and I also went to. Uh, I was an Army rat, so I went to a grade seven through twelve school in Germany. And he was a senior in 12th grade when I was in 7th grade at the same school. So wow. I go, like, way back with him. So I want to go see him change out. And <clears throat> being around the regiment and being around this guy, I was like, these guys are fucking monsters. They, yeah. all, look like, they all look like <laughs> cornerbacks in the NFL. That's what I mean. Yeah. Well, murder athletes. It, it, it's, it's so funny you said because, like, you know, I did some other stuff after Battalion. And when we went on the AFE, AFE tour for a movie, we were in uh, Iraq. And I'm sitting Erbil. there. Erbil. Erbil. Was it Erbil? Yeah, I think it was Erbil. And then, like... 
I was that dude fucking like four years ago, right? And then I see these dudes come through the Walk chow into hall, the chow hall, tatted like all fucking button up, just I like, sound like this, a gay, with whatever, fucking like, tats to their tats, wrists, handsome, jacked as fuck. And I'm like, is this yeah. like an NFL fucking team coming? In? I'm like, oh yeah, that's like, yeah, that's battalion. But, but that's cool <laughs> yeah. because that's what I love about you know, it's like you, you're so conditioned. I put that in my book a little bit too, like about judging yourself by your peers, and they're these just yeah. like epic fucking jacked professional dudes that are smart and. And you you think that that's just normal, and then you get into the civilian sector, and you're like, oh my god, what a special breed, you know? Yeah, and especially in Ranger Battalion, because we're the most fu- we eat the fuck out of our own. Like, yeah, if you don't have like an eight pack, you're a fat fuck. Yep, you know, and hey. and you go <laughs> you go out to like other places, and you're just like so self deprecating to the point where it's like not good for you. You know? No, it's it's like the most confident, insecure unit in the world. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. What was it like? Damn, Brad, you have a four pack, fag. Like, What's what that? was it like being a first sergeant over there? Uh, it wasn't my favorite, man. How long? How uh, long did you do that? Like eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. You have to RFS like, some guys. Yeah, I mean, I fuck throughout my career. I really tried my ass off not to RFS dudes. I kind of considered it like a failure, you know. Yeah. Unless the dude's an obvious piece of shit, but. Yeah. Like a non-performer or something like that. I always took every measure possible. I like really believed in rehab transfers. Like, oh, this guy's not working out, but maybe it's a maybe it's a personality deficiency. You know, maybe he doesn't click with his team leader or squad leader. So let's send him into a new platoon. And uh, yeah, I mean, most of the guys I RFS'd were like those cut and dry cases where you weren't even allowed to right. to do anything like DUIs or or whatever. Like. It's black and white. The RCO gets a fucking DUI. He's getting the boot. So I couldn't. Can, can I ask your it. opinion on that? And you don't have to answer, but uh, I'd really like to know because I feel the DUI thing with battalion was always like a weird thing for me because you, you train these kids and these guys and they're going out and drinking post deployment and the, yes, they make a really fucking bad decision. Yeah. But then we kick them out of the unit. I, I'm, I've been a firm believer of like, why kick out an E5 team leader with fucking five deployments, four deployments? No, that's whatever a waste he's of money. got. Over yeah, getting drunk one money. night, it's like I think you should crush his fucking balls and make him so miserable and make him sit in the S shop, yeah, and be like, if you ever do this again, you're done. But like, I feel like that's a yeah. I have a couple theories about like guys getting DUIs. Like, a, I don't think any rule should be black and white. That's the first one, and Fair. then the second one is no such thing as rules, just warnings. Yeah, I like John the Cabana. yeah, I like the spirit of law, not the letter. You know, and I think, but my. As I saw these guys getting, you know, after years and years, like from like senior squadron through first sergeant and your platoon sergeant, you see all these guys who are just rock stars at work and you go, you see them get a DUI. I started to kind of think that a lot of dudes, they didn't want to ask to take a knee. They didn't want to ask to take a break. So they kind of just stopped caring if they got kicked out. Yeah. So they like kind of, you know, participated in high risk behaviors like driving drunk and getting in bar fights and shit like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to quit, but I also don't care if I get the boot either you know so yeah i think there's a lot like while i loved the old school standards-based organization aspects of the ranger regiment there are also things about it that like are antiquated and we need to get rid of right like fair. i don't think you should have to have your fucking ranger tab to be a team leader in ranger battalion like, really no i don't think so man like U.S. Army Ranger School is like it's, it has no, nothing to it's do. It's nothing to do with what you guys do now. Absolutely zero. It's a good. It's like to me, Ranger School is kind of like the bachelors of Ranger Battalion. It's just to kind of prove you can go and do something on your own and not quit or fail. 
it doesn't really have much to do with what we do. I agree, and I think statistically based off of the statement, I think most Rangers that went to RASP, RIP, whatever you went through in past, you're going to pass Ranger School because I think the, the difference in that and like getting into the Ranger Regiment is like there's a complete difference between passing a special operations capable mission and passing a combat leadership yeah, why not, school. Why not modify ranger school for battalion i mean when it was when it was incepted it was done in vietnam and your graduation was going on a fucking mission like but yeah. but, it, but it's a dod wide leadership school that yeah, is like keep ranger- that keep that right but have battalion have their own thing well yeah you know i what think, I, mean? like, I think they're getting there that, like that is it's it's conjoined into rasp that yeah when you when you right. graduate this you get the tab too because yeah. it's just as fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. that's a good question for you. Where do you see the future of it? Because in my my perspective, it's like I I thoroughly enjoyed how they took Rip to RASP because yeah. for for the audience, like when you when I went through Rip, it was five weeks, and essentially you could be too dumb to quit. It was just a ball smoker. Yeah, like straight fuck you fest. Like no sleep, not a lot of eating, and just a smoke. So at this point, there's session. just a lot of redundancy. Agreed, but then. But there, there wasn't a lot of like combat leadership and professionalization as far as the tactics and skill sets that make you a great ranger. But now with RASP, we have the kind of psychological board. We have the team stuff. And you're looking at the yeah. individual rather than does he just quit or not quit. And yeah. I think they're taking the right strides. I'd just be curious as, as, as your perspective yeah. and your leadership where that goes in the next couple of years. Like, Is it inclusive to Ranger Battalion? Do we kind of get away from Ranger School and have a different – Yeah, like I had a – I wrote actually a paper on it and like sent it to our white paper and all. Yeah. That we, we had a couple of issues there at battalion, right? Like one was like, uh, keeping guys around, like keeping, you know, retention, right. Yeah. And giving guys breaks. So my idea is like, Hey, why don't we, why doesn't every battalion form their own training cell? Right. And we get our new guys from RASP. The, you know, that's, that's the regimental standard eight weeks. But then within the battalion out of, out of hide, we take guys out of the line couple squad leaders, couple team leaders, E7 that's waiting for a company. And throughout the jorts, throughout the training cycle, right, we just train the fuck out of these dudes. So they get RASP just to make sure they're capable, and then they get, like, another year of training with the battalion that they're going to serve at. So then, like, the argument of, like, oh, everybody has a different SOPs, all this stuff, it's all out the window. And it also gives all those guys that are instructing them um, that year off, you know, uh, from deploying but, but actually hard. staying with the unit. Yeah, actually staying in the unit. Because if you guys flag. know battalion, what happens, like I'm sure in your perspective, like you hit E6, you're a squad leader, senior squad leader, then you maybe do sometimes in weapon squad, and then to pick up platoon, you have to realize how many, I mean, I, off the whim, probably 20-something platoons in all of regiment, 30 maybe. Like there, there's not a lot. Yeah, it's and so now. And, and yeah. you to become a, a platoon sergeant, there's not a lot of open slots. So essentially what you're having to do is to go to like, you know, fifth RTB, go be a ranger school instructor, or you have to go do time at RASP, RIP, whatever it is, and then wait a year or two, but you're not actually serving with that unit and training with that unit, which is, I think a lot of guys, to include me, were like, man, I don't want to go to another unit. I either want to be yeah. here, take the long walk, and go do some other jobs. Yeah. But, you know, the retention, I think, in battalion could be significantly better. Yeah, it could be significantly improved by just getting a little creative with things. Um, you know, a lot of that does have to do with, like, regiments still riding the line between, like, soft and... Uh, regular army just like where our funding comes from and like where we you know send people due to manning and all that stuff and like when we're deployed and we're not deployed we're falling under different things so there's a lot of like little weird intangibles but i think i think they are making strides to get better like taking rasp to eight weeks was a huge step you know in professionalizing awesome. the force yeah um 
and I was a first sergeant when that when that kind of change took place. I mean, at that point, it's sixty days. Like, yeah, that's ranger school. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like, like you're saying, this is redundant now. Yeah, like, you had a guy in RASP, and now you're going to turn around and send him to ranger school for. Yeah, like I think that's why I say I think I think U.S. Army ranger school is is an antiquated requirement in the ranger regiment. You know, like if you if you go to SFAS. And then the Q course, they don't say, hey, you need to go to ranger school now to learn to patrol. Like, you did it in their pipeline, yeah. right? So, yeah. to me, it's 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 redundant. Um, or I think, you know, I think a step in the right direction there is I think the Army should change the name of ranger school to something else. Uh, I could not agree more <laughs> and, than that. I think, yeah, I think every ranger... You guys have... You yeah, guys every have. ranger in the world hates uh. that because it's like, oh, my cousin's a ranger, and I'm always like, qualified or battalion. It's like, he's either the special operations in Hawaii. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Nothing I, against a, you guys. You guys agree in Hawaii. <laughs> but I think that that's something like, not to get too serious, but people have to understand the psychological impact of being a part of a unit and differentiating yourself from other people that can say they do it and want the accolades without the actual hard work. Because yeah. I had eight or nine months in combat zones, like direct action combat zones, before I even went to ranger school. Yeah. And then half of my RIs didn't have combat patches or CIBs. And they're telling me, when the bullets are real. And I'm like, I buried my fucking team leader and squad leader like two weeks ago, man. Yeah. Like, I, what? What? Like, and you're telling me so how to go the war, you know, and, and great, you hey, snap over your head. You won't do that. Yeah. There's leadership <laughs> things to take away from everybody, but yeah, I think probably based off of how good the unit has been doing and they've really been the premier force in the GWAT within reason. I that, mean, I, I really love what he's talking about. I no, mean, yeah. it's time to look at this from a creative standpoint and not a, this is how we always did it. Yeah. Yeah, like, let's open the books, and rather than adding a couple pages to the end, let's rip them fucking out yeah, and like, start over. For instance, like one of the lessons learned. Yeah, one of the physical standards in battalion is still running five miles in 40 minutes or less. So ridiculous. Like, it's fucking dumb. Yeah. And the only reason we have that requirement is because it's a ranger school requirement. And it's like, all right, we could just have dudes who are fucking animals who can run, you know, 10 miles in X number of minutes, and, but we're doing this... This standard that was invented in like the seventies when there was that no makes, war going uh, again, on. Again, that, that makes, makes no, no sense. sense. There was no data behind it. I mean, this was a long conversation I had with a really close friend of mine that's an E nine and the Air Force about the selections that we run. It's yeah. like you guys pulled that out of your ass. Yeah. And and when and one of my points being is is the special operations selection for for TAC P controlling isn't one of the pieces it's like uh hello <laughs> we, you, want a, you you want a guy that can rock and suck like or do you want a really good controller well that, yeah. that that's the way i look at it and, and i think they're adapting more of those things but like when i got in battalion same thing it was like five mile run you know push-ups sit-ups and you had to meet these standards and then you go overseas and i'm like you know at the time probably when i made it through rip i was like a buck seventy, buck sixty. I could run fucking ten miles at a seven minute pace, but then I have to throw on a hundred pounds of gear yeah. and do a direct action raid, yeah. and then fast rope out of a helicopter, and I can't even hold up my body weight. And I'm like, okay, these are things that we have to tailor the individual to perform based off of the actual war effort going on because we're not doing patrol based operations like we were in Vietnam. Yeah. We're running kit in hyper violent, quick iterations yeah. on on, yeah, we're on, on very dynamic two hours crashing through doors taking... like the fucking kool-aid man yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like oh yeah so so yes sharpen your tool for for yeah. what it's for exactly like, yeah if we want to bring back lerp units and you want you want guys to go fucking rock 80 goddamn miles and lay in a hole okay 
Those yeah. are the guys that need to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But the shock troops that are going to fucking kick down yeah. a goddamn wall. But I kill think everybody in there. It's getting it's getting much much better. Like they have uh, an awesome. Like I fucking hate officers, but they have an awesome RCO now. Like really really good officers, super smart, innovative. Um, the RSM now, Kurt Donaldson. He was a peer of mine. He's fucking amazing. Like they're gonna like regiment is even more than they have been doing. They're gonna be like just killing it because they're gonna be getting more innovative. They're gonna be getting like more comfortable with like. The days are gone of, you know, the RSM now is a guy who grew up, like, he's basically a pyramid. He yeah, grew from, up in the GWAT, like, yeah. squad leader and on. Right. Whereas, you know, five, ten years ago, RSM, like, had never fucking shot anybody. You know, like, and not that, like, that makes you a good leader or a good dude, but... but it gives you a mindset of of, yeah. of where your direction is. Yeah. I mean, we got to go through I've, some... I've talked about this, yeah. uh, you know, like I, I said this about five years ago when I was still active duty. I said, you know, we still have some time before the lieutenants and the fucking E4s and E5s that kicked off 2001 are now generals and 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 sergeant majors and yeah. and, and chiefs and it's like once you see that flip over mm-hmm. and we get rid of all these cold war officers that yeah. that were fighting a fucking different fight you're going to see the mindset go back to where we were yeah. in the beginning of the 80s yeah yeah, yeah, I agree with that because it's not necessarily like one person person's better than the other. It's about conditioning and where you grew up. And it's like when you have a sergeant major that knew what it was like to be a PFC, he can kind of create task conditions and standards based off of his experience to better young guys coming through to better condition them for the operation and the mission at hand. Yeah. So the overall success of the unit is is unprecedented. And well, I mean, you know, I I think the military as a whole, we've gone a very wrong direction post the 1940s i mean really it's like it's sad that we don't have a chuck yeager anymore we don't have you know the military is so risk adverse now rather than saying hey let's let's push the envelope and let's see what we can do we should be doing that now yeah there was a because we're more educated than we've ever been yeah there was a long stand it's getting like i said it's getting better now but there was a little there was a little kind of a dark time there in regiment where especially on the o side it was like you don't get rewarded for victories you just get crushed for fucking up right so there that's was it. like so that's it's it. either either you yeah yeah you, so it's it's like you win why am and I gonna, it's in you win in silence or if you fuck it up we're just gonna fucking yeah so why you. why you know from there from an individual standpoint why am i gonna go out of my way to be innovative why am i gonna you know do anything besides what we've always been doing right and yeah, that was a that was a rough time. But like I said, I, I'm really really impressed with what I saw when I was there this summer. That's great. At, like where they're going and and where uh, where they've come, how far they've come, and you know and where they're going. Like if you were to take, I was talking to a guy last night. If you were to take a like an E5 from right now, you know, with like you know, let's see, us four or five combat deployments, put him in a time machine and send him back to when I was a private. You know, there were like three or four combat vets in my platoon when I was a private Panama guys and one Somalia guy. And that's uh, that's four days. Yeah. Yeah. And like it was even kind of an airfield seizure. Like, you know, it was kind of known within the battalion too. like, oh, that guy went to Panama. But like that guy was actually in a firefight and that guy, was, uh, you know, and so there were, you know, even with the combat scrolls rolling around, there were there were guys that they went there, but they didn't have any combat experience. You know, right. Other than the mindset of jumping out of the plane, you know, which is still it's impressive. It's cool. I never got to do that. But the if you sent that guy back, they would be a god. 
you know right like the the mogadishu vets when i was a private they were they could walk on fucking water you know they, they when they talked everybody listened and you know that like i was talking about that dark time that that's when like you know people at the battalion and regiment levels were like so threatened by the combat experience of like younger guys they just shit all over it rather than being like Oh wow! You we need to nurture this, like, yeah. and we need to create, you yeah. know, yeah, like oh, I'm yeah. going to talk shit about this guy, like he back in the fucking day, it was this way. It's like, mm, yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, it I mean, work. I won't yeah. say names. I, I had that experience too, especially with like the regimental sergeant major and, and, and battalion sergeant major that switched over when I was in, and their methodology as far as like what boots you're going to wear, and I'm like, yeah. man, like. We're going out every single night and getting into ticks. Like, let the dudes wear the boots that are most comfortable rather than wearing, like, you know, yeah, just shut up. tan just shut jungle up. boots because you think that's professionalism. We are killing people. Professionalism kill. is getting all your friends home to their families. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and professionalism is, at a leadership level, recognize your operating environment and making your subordinates as effective as possible. In exactly. It. You know, so. Create a killing force. Yeah. Which is funny because, like, when we look at business and stuff, what we've done with Black Rifle Coffee a little bit, that's the methodology we've taken. It's like mission first, everything else is fucking subordinate to that rather than, like, reading a marketing book and going, this oh, is. No, we can't. This we can't operate outside this. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah, no, this it's like, rule. Try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, and then you'll succeed great things because you're willing to take a risk. You're willing to be innovative, like you were saying. And I think yeah. it's, it's, if more people applied that to their organizations, their personal lives, they'd see massive um, successes in whatever they want to achieve. It's a blank, it's a general statement, but it's the truth. Like you got to fucking think outside the box. You got to be innovative because the enemy's more innovative and the enemy could be a business that's combating you or a fucking actual fucking enemy. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like hunting people to become an adaptive person. (laughs) There's 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 no other instinct in the world that's stronger than survival. So when you're trying to like kill people, you learn how to, how to think outside the box and how to like really, put your fucking thinking cap on and not do it how we've always done it, but how do it, how it works, you know, maybe don't run straight up the hill, you know? Yeah. So you, uh, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm thoroughly curious. How did you get into like, you know, the film sets and assisting the DOD with some of these commercials? Like, was that a passion of yours? Was it based off of previous? Yeah, did you do those new Ranger or? commercials? I did. Yeah. yeah those well, are the fucking uh, best goddamn recruiting commercials I've ever seen. Yeah. In my life. They're, they're phenomenal. Yeah. So I did, I mean, I didn't do them. I helped you. Right. You uh, had input. Yeah. So, um, when I was getting about to get out, about to retire, um, I was actually like on terminal leave from retiring. Um, friend of a friend got hired to tech advise on a series called the long road home, which is about, uh, the first cab in Sodder city back in Oh four. Um, and the guy that got hired, like, didn't really know much about it. He's like, Hey, I know about movies and I know, but like you've been in Sodder city, you know, a lot more about the army and all this stuff. So they brought me on kind of like, Hey, you want a couple week gig, like do pre-production help with wardrobe and, and art department. Everything. Uh, yeah. Every set deck, do some page flips, make sure the lingo's right. All that, all this stuff. So yeah, I was supposed to get like a two week little fun gig. I was like, oh, that sounds fucking cool. Yeah, I'll go do that. Um, and then, you know, they liked me. So they kept me for the run of the show. And then I dug it. Um, I had planned throughout my career to take this really long European backpacking trip. So after that thing, that gig was up, I was like, cool, that was great. Gave me a little bit of money to go to Europe and and fuck off. Um, And I came back and uh, the guy who's currently my business partner now, uh, Ray Mendoza, he's a SEAL Team 5 dude. Um, He's out 
obviously. Um, he got he got the call to like go and tech advise on uh, Mile Twenty Two. That yeah, that movie is uh, is that Max Martini in that, in that month? No, 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 no. That was no, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, 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 and Ronda Rousey and a couple yeah. other people. Yeah. Um, so we went and did that, and then it's like, cool, man. Maybe I'll like try to do this, you know, and uh, moved to L.A. Started kind of getting on the hustle a little bit, and then yeah, I got it. I think yeah, that's when the that's when the commercials happened. So uh, Ray is is kind of tied in with Peter Berg, who got hired to do those commercials. So he brought us out to uh, basically just be a liaison because all the yeah. dudes in that were uh, active duty. That was a platoon of Rangers from one seven five. That's crazy that they that's actually so let awesome. them perform in a in a commercial. Yes, yeah, it's it was awesome. So it was like. I mean, one of the the flight lead for those '60s was like one of my privates in Seco two seven five. Like, I hadn't seen him in like no shit like twenty years. Isn't it bizarre? Super side comment, but isn't it bizarre how many dudes you serve with that went on to become one sixtieth pilots? Like, there has to be like six I know that were like dope ass gangster ranger squad leaders, and now they're flying Blackhawks or forty six or forty sevens. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot. It's it's crazy. crazy. I mean, sometimes you need a break, gotta sit in that pilot seat for a little bit. (laughs) Not always. Yeah, that never put wind in my sail. I had I never had any interest in doing. Not once I've ever wanted to fly. I would love. I would love to have been a Apache pilot. I like to sit in the back and take a nap. You have to have a really good attention span. Like if you stop paying attention for a second, you crash. I'm like yeah. that's not fun. Yeah, that, that that's me. I yeah. don't know. I can I can I can daze off while flying a helicopter. That's terrifying. I'm never flying with you again. Why? Yeah. Just, you think that my my fucking horse my horse galloping on one of those like spinny wheels that a that a thing do you think that stops when I'm flying? No, <laughs> no, no you're definitely right. yeah, is it's like terrifying to think straight about. up. Yeah. So is that is that your primary source of like income and lifestyle? Because I know you've done gym stuff. You're a fucking stud in the gym. You're like a done a lot of shit, man. Yeah, I mean, as I like I said when I got that ROTC gig, it was great because I still I was still kind of on the tit of Uncle Sam a little bit, um, doing a full time job. It was and actually like I went there not thinking I would enjoy that, but it was cool like mentoring future officers and and teaching them shit. Um, but also you get a lot of time off, so I was able to just like kind of try and figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't necessarily know I was going to get into this, but it was great having the freedom to like, I got to try out, you know, working in CrossFit gyms and I got to try, uh, I, I went and, you know, did some firearms instruction, some tactical instruction shit with, uh, some guys and tried all these different things. And, uh, yeah. And, and I ended up liking this. So yeah, it's my main source. Um, I'm also retired and, you know, I get, I get that that fuck you money so that gives yeah, me a lot yeah, of freedom that, like two grand a month that yeah, fuck yeah. you money yeah, so, so what you're saying is you can come visit more yeah yeah i mean i'll never be homeless is what i'm saying you know i can i can i can assume some risk and be in this business that's so fucking inconsistent right you know um i've i've had a lot of luck i've done i've done well i've made plenty of money um and so between so like what i'm doing now is so yeah i did those commercials and then uh I went over, I did this movie called The Outpost based on Jake Tapper's book we talked about a little bit this morning. Yeah. Um, and then I also did this Netflix original kind of like sci-fi action movie. Um, but I haven't, I haven't tech Which advisor. one was that? Uh, it's not out yet. It's, okay. it's, it just has a working title. Um, Do you want to be a tech advisor in February? Yeah. On a you set play? running. Want to come play some with shit? demolition and live fire and yeah, lots yeah. Of fun stuff. I always, I always do anything. Man, I say yes to anything. Like, my that's day my rate I pay people is a bottle of whiskey a day. Like, and a chicken sandwich. And chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Yeah, we got Jericho. <laughs> yeah, the so beauty excited. of being a tech advisor is you can be 
like I got on the first show I was in, I got into I got into SAG, I got in the union, so I can work. I can do either union or non union work, so it's cool. It's like a it's like a cool thing that. Were um, you just overseas with Bert? With who? Bert? No, no. I thought you were on that project. No, 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 no. They were they were somewhere in the Ukraine or some weird shit. Yeah, some movie. Dude, there's Pete so Berg, much. I think it was a Pete Berg thing. So if you're tech, if you're tech advising, have you been to ISS down in Los Angeles? Carl's here. I saw him today. Yeah, Carl texted me. Do you know what ISS I even, is? I don't even know what that is. Whoa. Do you gotta check him out? I'd l- I'll actually make a good introduction here. Um, at shot, there's this gentleman named Carl. He leads up the armory at ISS. ISS is like the largest prop house. Um, oh. for yeah. films and all of that. They they assisted us on Range 15, and Carl's been an amazing. Um, uh, friend and and shown enormous support for projects that we've done, but they have like uh, American Sniper and all that stuff. Yeah. They did all the weapons for that yes. uh, Lone Survivor, yeah. um, all that shit. Yeah, that's a, that's another cool thing about kind of this industry and what me and Ray have tried to do in every project that we get hired to do. We try to bring in as many vets as we can, right? So everything we've done, we've gotten guys jobs as like specialty background stunts, you know, doing whatever, and, and we want to bring in guys and not like pigeonhole them there like that's a great gig man like run on a prop house because you have all that knowledge like you know what you uniform- like someone's like yeah hey we're making this movie all right cool send me the send me the pitch deck and like okay this is the unit this is the time frame i know exactly what the fuck you need whereas now like half of my job in pre-production is just unfucking all the stuff they order and and uh getting the right stuff and you know if you if you're a a prop house or or a wardrobe person that knows that you're going to save the production a lot of money and that bottom line that's what they want time energy and money yeah yeah so we try to like expose as many guys as we can and girls to the industry and not just have it be the tech advising world and not just have it be the stunt world right like you can be a pa you can be a camera per- operator you can be yeah. you know sound you can be special effects there's all these cool things that you can do and at the end of the day, being on a film set, it's just, you guys know, you've done it. It's just problem solving, right? It's like just putting out fires all day. And getting, yeah, and sticking to a schedule. Dude, yeah, that, yeah. that's what, when I look at, you know, Ranger Battalion, all these special operations, even infantry, normal army, like the, the skill sets, if you were a fucking squared away dude, man, you can succeed in any freaking craft that you want to because, like, I look at, what you like what I did in Ranger Battalion so similar to like what I do in a film set, right? Yep. I know exactly what the operations order is going into that thing. Before I do that, my pre mission checks, my PCIs and PCCs are like batteries are in the camera, sound equipment's good, this personnel's on time, we have food and like it, it's just organization and management yeah. and, and a lot of that is so attributable from the small things that you did and do like it's so scalable. The same thing that you did with one team if you're a team leader is the same thing you do for a company is yep. just there's middle management that you have to follow through mm-hmm. and trust your leaders, hire the right core competencies for those positions. And you, you can be fucking so amazing at your job because the reality of, of the world, guys, is like people are fucking lazy. Yeah. They're fucking lazy. Yep. And if you're just like semi-competent and hardworking, you will excel at anything you do in life. You, you know what, yeah. you, too, is when we were done with Range 15, I, had, I wrote down a, a number of notes of uh, – jobs on a set that I would create that haven't been created that I yeah. would. I'm sure you've seen it. Like, first off, I've been cre- taking a first sergeant and putting a pinnacle on the departments. Oh, yeah, man. That would solve so many because what yeah. happens is, and you know that you've been on sets, is you have independent departments. You got art, you got camera, you got G&E, you got the gaffers, you got, mm-hmm. you got all this. 
none of them report, you know, yeah. essentially the director. Yeah. And, and, but the director is, is not a leader, is not a leader. He's, yeah. an, He's art an artist person. Yeah. 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 And I was, I was just like, after about day three, I was like, God damn it. If we yeah. had a, a Sergeant major yeah. for the departments, half of these problems would be solved. Yeah, man. And as, as a tech advisor on like a, a large scale production, that's what I run into a lot. And that's where I see like why more vets. Because everybody is, Oh, you're not my boss. Yeah. You're not my boss. Stuff. Like not whatever said, like you're, you're the EP and you're the producer. You're not my boss. My boss is the art department. You're like, yeah, motherfucker. But I'm essentially the first sergeant, which you're saying that role would be to like navigate yeah. and like so you, like, you, no, you, no, you, and that's you exactly, go. he hit the nail yeah. on the head. The director technically is in charge of that set, but the director is not a leader. They're not a leader, yeah. And so they're not a scheduler. Most of the time what I I'm like, all right, dude, like I can go and tell the director to tell you, and he's gonna do what I say. Or you can just do what I say. Right? Yeah, you're that's, just creating extra steps. You're just creating extra steps. I, yeah. Like and that's that's walking away from range fifteen, I had I was like, fuck. These are these these are things that again the film industry has repeated this mistake over yeah. and over and over and over again for years. Yeah. Rather than coming out and changing the doctrine, like and and saying, "Hey, we're going to rewrite the book yeah. on positions." Yeah. And put a leader in charge of our fucking below the line departments. Yeah, and there's 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 a couple of uh, there's a couple reasons why I want to get why I would love for veterans to be in the film world more. A that like it brings leadership accountability. Um, I don't want to say reporting reporting like accountability is a big thing like you know but the other side of the coin is like man so much stuff about us is just garbage you know and that's why I really think that we need to take it back and that's what I'm trying to do like between yeah between the tech advising gigs you know Ray and I are developing we're developing a couple docs we're developing a series that we wrote um, and hopefully you know in five years ten years one of these things will get made but as I'm as I'm in this world, right? I've I've kind of got a name now where people are contacting me, right? So I'll have a producer send me a screenplay or a teleplay or whatever, and be like, "Hey, can you take a look at this and help maybe develop it?" And the mark is being missed so fucking hard. Oh yeah, dude. and I don't know if you guys have seen the the trailers for that sixty eight whiskey show that just came out. It's a um, fucking steamy hot bag of shit, right? I, it's yeah, it's garbage. I probably will ignore it. Yeah, it's it's terrible, man. It's like a fucking soap opera. But but so I'm getting. I was like, Wait, we've we've become this thing, right? And now I, I hate to use this word, but it's true. Veterans are being culturally appropriated, right? Thank they're, you. Can, they're taking our shit. Can I pause right there because I will go a quick tangent. And I want to tee up for a question. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'm the the proper advocate for the military culture, but I can only define my individualism and I actually spent time in the military and other organizations. And my fucking biggest problem has always been civilians that have never fucking done dick all within our community defining the social narrative of what the community stands for. And an exact like uh, example of that is when we went to the GI Film Festival and this fucking bitch nerd did this fucking PTSD fucking short film and the guy's like putting a pistol in his mouth and sucking down fucking pills. And we called him out and props rock for that too. We called him out on the set. We're like, we fucking hated it. And he's like, well, I had a cousin that was in the national. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. I'm this, like, you yeah, don't know anything. I'm like, fucking you, just guy. Made, you just made a fucking film 
it gives me fucking chills that people are going to watch and think that that's me. That's how I treat my wife, that I hit yeah. my wife in the face. That's how I'm a fucking alcoholic fucking yeah. Vicodin-popping fucking victim. And it's like I think it's time, hopefully, to inspire our community and the post-GWAT generation to be like, time to take this shit back, dude. Take it back. Take the fucking ground. Show them that we're fucking – inspirational fucking hardworking dudes we, we might disagree in a lot of things but let's define that our culture is not a fucking victim culture we're, we're a fucking hyper talented successful culture and i get so sick of these fucking idiots telling me how we are and how to act like you shouldn't make those jokes i'm like bitch you're not from my the only person can say that is my peer and then my yeah, peer and i this, will sit down over a beer this and talk weirdo about it. had probably fucking ton of failed projects and he yeah. just adopted yeah. a fucking it's cliche yeah a cliche veteran fucking yeah, yeah. whoa 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 is me yeah, yeah. fuck dude it goes i mean it's it, me off it pisses me off. I've been going on tangents about it for fucking, like, months now. But, you know, it goes deeper than those, like, hit-you-over-the-head PTSD stories, right? Like, I even I saw 1917 recently, right? And when you really fucking watch that movie, everyone's like, ugh, just chugging that movie's nuts. And it's so fucked up. Maybe there's realism, whatever. But the portrayal of the fucking warrior, the portrayal of the fighting man is totally fucked. They paint that dude or those two guys throughout that movie as fucking victims instead of hunters, right? The and fuck? they just like there's a scene the guy comes out of a river and he starts to fucking cry and I'm like that wouldn't fucking happen. Like yeah, you're, you're you're evading. You're doing a fuck you're on the job, man. Like and people like they that, that's the hard been on the X just going but that's yeah. the problem. They try to humanize with emotions that are relevant to somebody that has not been in that circumstance to what a fucking weak person would do. Mm-hmm. And it's like I watch like samurai movies and you're like, yeah, the warriors were willing to die for the cause because that's why they got the title of warrior. Yeah. Right? There's a reason that like a Ranger Battalion dude shows up in Target, gets shot at his fucking best friend, gets shot in the fucking face, and he's like, carry on. There's no crying after the fact, maybe, but like he's a goddamn professional badass warrior. That's, yeah, that's, to show what that what what, what, what that point, means. Though. Yeah, like you look at Japanese culture and it's that's yeah. never that's never been a thing. Yeah, we don't show a fucking a crying moment. samurai. Yeah. So it's like, why the fuck? Yeah, and, and we're we are the best fighting force this world has ever known. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And now, and, and instead of showing that, we show these like grabastic pieces of shit fucking shows. Yeah. Like, this this like sixty eight whiskey and and sandcastle. That was a fucking pile of garbage. Have you ever seen that? But like, <laughs> like everything, man. Everything is not the true experience. It's some no. fucking rich Fallacy. dude or drama yeah. geeks fucking. Cliche on cliche, like you said. How, how can I make this money? How can yeah. I how can I turn this and, into money? And you know, the reason I use the words cultural appropriation is because this used to happen in Hollywood with African Americans. It used to happen with Latinos. Yeah. It used to happen with women. And what it took was Spike Lee, you know, Antoine Fuqua, all these guys coming out and being like African American filmmakers that come and like, hey, you're fucking this up. So yeah, I'm gonna we're going to make stories. our we're going to make our own shit. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, like, you know, hopefully. 10 years from now, there's people like us that are like making fucking good content about yeah, but it's fucking gonna be veterans. up to us to fund that stuff. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Is they're never going to pay. We're well, and, never going to get and money. The, and this. that's the challenges. I think if we fuck it, we'll deep dive in this, but that's the challenges we face. You know, when Jared and I first met, it was like, how do we storytell within the locker room conversation that the, co- the comedy, the humor, the culture is understandable for the people that served in that community and the problem is it's not necessarily relatable or marketable to the overall tam or the wide audience right it's not 
it's not what the soccer mom at home wants to watch. She doesn't want to know that there's kind of a bloodthirsty 22 year old that's filled with testosterone. That killing is is what he wants to do. Yeah. Because that that's disgusting. Why would you ever want to kill someone? That's just the mentality of the warrior spirit that you have to be to be successful in such a fucking dynamic, crazy yeah. situation. And that doesn't mean that you can't be reflective on that, and retrospective, and understand why you did certain things. It's like, you know, when I wrote my book, people were like, "Oh, all these sex stories, all this," like, and I'm like. The reason I'm telling those is because that's why I was a young warrior that thought I was invincible, and part of that methodology translated to me coming home from war going, I can fuck anybody in this bar, and I can be anyone's ass. Is that the case? Absolutely not. That wasn't reality, but that was my, that was my thinking. And I think those stories have to be told to define the character of someone that can grow through this whole process of life and understanding. And, and, and to Jared's point, I don't think a lot of people are going to fund those things. It's the whole thing that started Black Rifle Coffee. It's like, it doesn't it's up exist. To us. Let's, it's up to us. Let's do it. And, and so it's been we have to do Because there's a want. There's a need for that stuff. It's yeah. why my book did I mean, so well. Max, like, Max Martini, like his most Sergeant Will Gardner. Yeah, that's yeah. like yeah, it, yeah. It, it did not do well monetarily, even yeah. though that he was donating 70% of what that thing brought in to yeah. veteran veteran nonprofits. Yeah. Like, I say all the time, everybody wants to like, support veterans yeah, until it's, it's time like, to support veterans. Yeah, like, so it's, it's like, like, I love yeah. the veterans, they're like, oh, and they're like, yeah, this you wrote you fuck. wrote and made a movie all on your own, Max. You know, you did this for the, for the right reason. And that's another fucking person yeah. that deserves a lot of credit because Max's head has always been in the right place. Yeah. He is not doing this to make a name for himself. Yeah. He's doing this because... The guy has been casted in so many military roles yeah. throughout his career that he's finally like but he probably hey, deserves a CIB. I, <laughs> how can I fucking yeah. really but, give back and help these guys? But, but to kind of circle back um, on what I was saying before, and what me and Ray hope to do is, as we bring in more vets and more vets, like this isn't going to happen in a year, two years, five years, right? But in you know ten years, when a veteran getting out now goes to fucking he goes to USC film school, right? Instead of getting out and getting uh, uh, you know, Homeland Security degree and becoming yep. a cop. He goes yeah. to film school. Yes, you know? and he becomes uh, you know, cinematographer or a camera. No, operator. you guys, you guys and, choosing the right vets to pull into this is another right. big key because there's a lot of them out in that town that I would fucking love to hurl into a fucking dumpster. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because well, they, yeah, and they adopt they. They try to assimilate, assimilate with that town, yeah. and lose everything that it meant for us to fucking yeah. operate the way that we operate. Yeah. And, you know, we caught a lot of flack because we ignored one of the organizations well, and, out and, there when we did Range Fifteen. Yeah. But there was a very good fucking reason for it. Yeah, man, and that's that's what I'm getting at. It's like I'm trying. You know, I got in on the 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 ground floor of tech advising, right? And but you can't do, you know three years as a truck driver and be a tech advisor. You know what I mean? But you that's have what's happening. That's, that's what's happening out there is you had yeah. a number of guys that non-combat MOSs did sub four year enlistment, throw the veteran card out and yeah. are trying to get, you know, rainbow six styles tech advising jobs. Yeah. Yeah. But they were a truck driver. They were 80 Mike yeah. or something like that. And it's like, it's, but, it, but, but, I've I seen think, it. But that's the more complex conversation, right? It's not necessarily individual that's faulted based off of their approach and what they want to do because they're trying to succeed as an individual. The problem is, is that that's acceptable in that in in that arena per yeah. se. Yeah. And Hollywood it, just sees veteran. Yeah, and, and it's no, like vet- there's no class. But, the, but that's like yeah. where the stigma with the veteran turn comes from. It's like veteran. And it's like, dude. 
there's so many diverse veterans from every sexual preference and, and ethnicity and, and all of those things and different <laughs> worldly experiences. And it's like each person is an individual and has a completely different fucking experience than the other. But we have to keep true to like the community and what you were good at and use yeah. that skill set well, to be best at what I have an can ama- work. I have an amazing anecdote about this that happened about mm, it's about four months ago now. Um, a, a big big budget movie it was like a like a sci-fi action kind of like futuristic war movie right and they were hiring a tech advisor and threw my name in the hat didn't ever hear anything like it happens all the time I'm like okay i didn't get hired well an actor that i'm friends with was on it and he texts me he's like fuck man like this tech advisor is fucking stupid i'm like what's his name so i don't remember the guy's name about but a, a, a quick google search this dude never served in the army in the military what, what? he was an rotc cadet Hua. That had a his instructor was an SF guy. So on his resume, like I found this dude's website and it said like, you know, operated with special operations forces in the US Army and like just the most ridiculous ways you could describe Jeez, yourself. Just be vague. Just be vague. Right. And like to your point, like when well, people don't know what they're reading, they're like, Oh wow, I'll shit, tell you ops. I'll tell you this and, wow. and both of you can contest this. One of the most toxic things social media has done in the last decade is it's removed the requirement for experience to be a subject matter expert. Absolutely. Like 10 years ago, people didn't open their mouths if they, if they didn't have experience or, or the expertise inside that. Now you get on Facebook and you see a fucking two-year specialist as a night as it as a 19 delta mm-hmm. in at fort hood arguing with a fucking 22 year 18 bravo about tactics <laughs> yeah. like on instagram absolutely and it's like there's no more there's no yeah. more prestige or hierarchy and that we need to bring back like and that's there is a hierarchy guess yeah. what yes and that's those of us that-, that went to combat we we have experience and expertise that the guys that didn't. Yeah. And it's going back. Like there's this, there's this like victim culture, but also in Hollywood, there's this like hero worship, right? We're not all equal. So, so the problem is in everybody that I come across, you know, in the industry that has, is a shot caller, right? I always tell them like, ask people fucking pointed questions. Cause they'll like bring somebody in or try to cast somebody. And they're like, Oh, he was a veteran. I'm like, let me see his resume. And I'm like, Puh, no. no. And, uh, was a fucking Navy nurse for one year. Yeah, exactly. Year. But everybody there is also so fast to do the, the hero worship thing that they won't even ask them pointed questions about their service. They're like, oh, well, I don't want to. We owe it to them. We owe, well, we owe it to them. Yeah. Well, that's the appropriation thing right there where it's like, well, it's offensive. I don't want to, I don't want to bring up any issues they and might have as a veteran. And like, that's the stigma I want to fucking demolish where like, I feel like a lot of us that have, and you've done fucking far more than I have, but like we can have those conversations. Like, yeah, I was been on fucking 500 direct action raids. This is, this is my, this is my resume. How many yeah. times and, you have and, to reload your weapon in combat? Do, do I, there's yeah. a quick one, right? That's there. a good one. Oh, I never did that. Okay. Boom. Next. But do I fit the <laughs> bill and the requirements and the resume for the specific job? If not, it's like, do you need a fucking dude? That's going to be a, a predator drone advisor. Don't hire me. Exactly. Cause I know fuck all about yeah. that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of being like the whole, the victim culture, but which that's created. what that organization down there yeah. has has bred yeah. is you've got somebody that that yes worked as a fucking corpsman in a hospital but they're trying to use the veteran card to be a predator drone advisor it's yeah. like 
motherfucker, you don't even know anything about this. Yeah, and that's also where where experience comes into play, right? Like, 100%. If you're, if you're a person, like, let's say I, I was on a set and they were like, hey, we're going to do this Predator drone thing, I'd be like... I've got a guy. I don't know that, but I've got a guy, yeah. right? Yeah. I can I can make two calls and I can find that out, you know? And that's where you get these like some kid that's done 2 years in the National Guard. He's, he doesn't know shit, but he's going to bullshit his way through it and that's where we see all this garbage. That's going. why yeah. yeah, that's why I'm, we're stuck with all I, this horseshit. I'm not going to hire a dentist to be my goddamn CFO. <laughs> right? Is the dentist super intelligent, and smart and has a yeah, you're damn right yeah. he is. I'm going to go get dental no, work, but, but he's not going to be my chief financial officer. Super simple. It becomes this 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 very avoided conversation of well they're a veteran we owe it to them let's just give them the job yeah I was on like, uh, not oh, that's hey, terrible let's <laughs> find the best person for the job on on the outpost uh, we were doing a scene like a big aid station scene where they were trying to save this guy's life and it was kind of like an intricate thing but they were doing all like medical shit I know how to do but they hired a medical expert right and they're just you know, I'm like hey man I. I've read the script. I know what the fuck's going on. Like, you don't need to hire anybody else. But I also didn't want to fuck someone else out of getting a job, right? Right. They bring the studio. <laughs> this guy had been in the Bulgarian army. Wow. And I was like, okay. They were like, well, he's an actual doctor. And I'm like, okay, doctors don't know shit about fucking combat life. Trauma, trauma surgery. But anyway, it gets better. So then I'm <laughs> like watching this guy's just lost in the fucking sauce. Like, there's no way around it. He's like, he also had never been on a movie set, so he didn't understand how to be a tech advisor in like, hey, what translates to camera, what certain, doesn't. Exactly. Yes. Like, and and things... that's a big thing. I mean, that's that's a huge red flag with a lot of um, with a lot of stunt coordinators and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Over trying to drive themselves overly into the production. Yeah. And you end up slowing it down because it's like, dude, yeah. no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Just yeah. make sure, you know, yeah. make sure this looks good. Yeah, I have a I have a uh, motto it's authenticity over realism right like yeah. you're not gonna oh, have realism okay. it's it's got to be authentic yes. realism is not not gonna no, happen most we're time. never gonna we're never gonna like achieve that, that. because Nothing's... realism is documentary right yeah it's go. gotta be entertaining i like that but yeah this guy was a he was an anesthesiologist so oh. he's not even a doctor no he's an anesthesiologist he worked at like the cash in bagram for like fucking three months in the bulgarian army uh, but they fixed it. Like there was a guy that was uh, one of the cast members had been like an actual medic in the army, and like he knocked it out of the park once. Yeah. But that was me going to like the director and being like, "Hey man, I know you guys hired this guy. Like I'm not saying fire him. Like, but just tell him to go fucking sit down. And yeah, we'll take care of this. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we yeah. got this. Yeah, but that just goes to show, you know, like if I hadn't been there and been like, dude, this guy's fucking everything up. And also, they probably wouldn't have even listened to me if that guy hadn't been such a chotch about being a tech advisor. Like he was, he sucked at that too. Yeah. So. Yeah, the way it works. Well, shit, man. We're we're about to close out here, but I, I gotta say thank you, man. Yeah. Um, you guys know Jericho. Uh, where, where, where can they find you and your website and all that stuff, brother? Yeah. So the personal is Laidback Berserker on Instagram. Laidback Berserker. Laid back, lazy Berserker. Laidback, not lazy. I was just making it funny. <laughs> and then uh, the professional is War Office Productions. War at Office, War Office Productions. Productions. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, like I know. A lot of similar friends in the community. You're a very well respected. Oh, Jericho guy. spends a lot of personal time with us. You know, went yeah. on the rafting trip with us. We, yeah. you, you've hung out with Logan a lot. Like, yeah, you're an amazing, you're an amazing human, dude. And um, I, I think when you said fucking uh, uh, being authentic over, over being realism. realism, I think that's a true definition of your character because sometimes you have unpopular. Um, statements but i think they're accurate and they're authentic to you and i truly uh, uh 
welcome that and I'm thankful for that. And you're a fucking super cool dude, man. You're welcome back on the show anytime. And uh, I wish you the best success. And I hope that you can change Hollywood for the better and yeah. get some more veterans hired that are get qualified it, for man. the job. And yeah. fuck this victim culture. And uh, let's be successful, man. I love yeah. it. And I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate everything you guys do, too. You know, um, earlier on, you know, and what, like with me, I know a lot of guys are haters of you guys. And I, I've, I've looked at, you know, veteran-owned businesses and shit. You guys take a lot of heat. And it's fucking it's like a lot of people hate you. A lot of people hate you guys, you know, and like, yeah. I'll admit well, earlier yeah, on, I was like, com- from our fuck? community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like when I was still, like, was one- like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, fuck. And, but then I'm like, no, man, that's cool. Like the, that we're the first to help. Like E-dogs. there's one thing that, that him and I talked about in the very beginning. It was like our community, this community, they gave us that booster seat up into mainstream, into mm-hmm. Hollywood. And we turned around with our hand down. Yeah, we've never said we we are not shut out to anybody. We we're not unapproachable. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you guys are a good example to like. Every time I see somebody throwing shade at, at a veteran-owned business online, uh, at, whether it's a coffee company, t-shirt company, fuck whatever, I'm like, you know, the only other way for enlisted guys to get out and make money, other than being an entrepreneur or you know, getting into something like that is is to go be a contractor, contractor, or, cop, or a GS, yeah, right? Yeah. And some of us don't want to carry guns anymore. You know, so yeah. shame on us for for finding a way to, you know, make a living off of our yeah. service. Whereas if I got out as an 06, I'm allowed to go out and give leadership consulting, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, hey, fuck all those haters, man. This is how the E dog is like getting out and making a difference and. You know, using all that all that time we put in to make a better life for ourselves and then for other people. Yeah, I mean that's just a good life lesson in general, man. No matter it, success always breeds haters, and if you listen to the hate, you'll never be as successful as as you really truly could be. And as long as you keep a good heart and a good path forward, man. Like and and, and like you said, I love that analogy. Putting your hand back. It's what we've really tried to do. Like. Um, you know, we could be fucking multimillionaires, but we're not because we want to invest in the infrastructure and the business and hire veterans and hire people and build a culture that long lasts like me. Like I hope when I'm fucking 60 and having a heart attack, I can look and see 700 black rifle coffee stores and employ all these fucking awesome franchisees and, and they get to create their own culture and ecosystem within our, our country. And that, that's, that's the goal here. And I, I truly hope that through all the hate and all the other love and all the stuff, we can just inspire people to be their own version of great. And uh, I think you're you're defining that in your own stance, especially with such an amazing service record. So thank you, Jericho. Um, thank you. Freedom the fuck on. And uh, thanks yeah. for listening to Free Range American. We'll yeah. catch you next time, guys.